The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 106 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? The city of Houston is staring down the barrel of an exponential increase in cases over the next few weeks. And its hospital system is on the verge of being overwhelmed. But first, here's what happened in Virus News today. In the United States, the pandemic is tearing through the heartland. The U.S. saw one of its highest ever increases in cases yesterday. More than 34,500 new infections, close to the peak in April. New modeling predicts the virus will kill 180,000 Americans by October. It's causing some states that were previously laissez-faire about virus restrictions to take more stringent measures, like face mask orders and internal quarantines. The virus is now ravaging some states that hadn't been hit as hard in previous months. States that were slow to enforce lockdowns or quick to lift them. One of those states is Texas. Cases and hospitalizations there are surging. As a result, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced in an executive order today that it was putting the brakes on its phased reopening. While businesses that were already permitted to open can stay open, the next phases of reopening have been put on hold. The situation is most dire in Houston, where some experts expect the virus outbreak to swamp the city's medical infrastructure by July 4th. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. And Houston is the subject of our main story today. Bloomberg reporters Emma Court and Joe Carroll report that if cases keep rising at their current pace in Harris County, which includes Houston, they will triple or quadruple by mid-July. 
I spoke with Emma and Joe today about how the city's hospital system expects to manage the crisis. How did we get to Texas being the new hotspot of COVID? You know, Texas uh, shut down. The governor was reluctant to shut anything down back in uh, back in March and April, as we saw COVID uh, erupting in places like New York and, and Chicago. He eventually did did uh, did order a, a lockdown of sorts. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it seemed like it was it was working. The, the, the caseload stayed low relative to what were hotspots at that time. Uh, hospitals were fine, and, and after after a few weeks, uh, they reopened uh, surgeries to you know reopened uh, doctors' offices, and and uh, and then at the beginning of May just began reopening the entire state. It was phased, you know. You, you know, if you owned a restaurant, maybe you could go to twenty five percent of your occupancy. You know, uh, it wasn't a full on reopening, but but the numbers stayed low, and, and things really didn't sort of explode here until right around Memorial Day, late May the cases started to really take off. The positivity rate went through the roof. And that has continued until till we, till we get to where we are now. We're in the Houston area anyways. The intensive care units are all um, used up. They're going to have to uh, convert some other beds over to, to make some space. And um, the projections are the caseload will, will just continue higher. You know, what has been the response of, of health workers, of physicians, of hospital workers to this development? We've heard a lot of understandably concern from medical providers, um, you know, saying we don't really know what the coming days and weeks will bring. And, you know, in particular for them, you know, as for I think everyone, you know, the example of New York City and what happened to our hospitals, you know, that example really looms large and casts kind of a dark cloud over, you know, medical providers all around the country. You know, they don't want to see the same thing happening in their own emergency departments and their intensive care units. And and yet, you know, as these intensive care unit beds fill up, hospitals can, of course, expand their capacity, right? Um, but the concern here is really, you know, once you start exceeding those traditional ICU beds, you know, how much further can you expand capacity, right? So I spoke with the head of the Texas Medical Center, which, you know, describes itself as the largest medical city in the world. It's based in Houston. And Bill McKeon said to me, do we think that we can care for those patients and provide them a bed and provide them? And do we have the proper amount of personal protection equipment? Do we have the proper amount of ventilators? Yes, on all accounts. So in that sense, we feel, but remember, capacity is like a giant bathtub that at sooner or later, if water goes unchecked and the faucets are filling, then at some point, any place, even the biggest medical city in the world, will overflow. And Joe, you know, what is the the sense on the ground in Texas? Are people wearing masks? Are people getting a, a sense that, you know, this pandemic is not over yet? What What is the feeling in, say, Houston? Uh, for many weeks, there was a sort of an undercurrent that a lot of the precautions that have been taken were overkill, that masks were silly. Um, and, and, and there's also, there is a, a, a deep strain of, of you know, this, this laissez-faire approach where the government doesn't get to tell me what to do. That's very, very ingrained here, even in the metropolitan areas. Over the last couple of days, that has taken quite a hit because the, the, the numbers coming out of the medical center and other places have been so alarming. There seems to be a little more acceptance. There, there's there's a lot of fear uh, when you when you know when you hear that that the all the ICU beds are are, are taken up or most of them are taken up. I mean it uh, it frightens people. And so 
the community is pretty divided. There are still folks who say, look, masks won't help you, you know, who sort of sneer at the the formal recommendations. And and then, of course, their neighbors are angry with them because they'd really like to see you wearing a mask. This morning, the governor surprised everybody when he came out and he said the reopening is on hold. You know, it, it, it had been set to be a phase reopening. And so we were, you know, depending on the line of business you were in, you were open to maybe 50% capacity or 25. Uh, and then on a certain date in the next few weeks, you, you were going to be allowed to go to 75%, some to 100%. That's so he froze all of that, which nobody saw coming. Is there any sense from from the medical community that perhaps with the new drugs and the new therapies that have started to become available, like remdesivir and whatnot, that even though there is a higher case count, that perhaps, you know, the death rate will not correspondingly rise as well in, say, places like Texas? If you think about it, like in the, the start of this pandemic, we were talking a lot about building, you know, creating more ventilators. You know, we're still kind of talking about, you know, producing more testing supplies, things like that. So we've had some time to prepare. And a lot of the hospitals I spoke to in Texas, as well as in Arizona, where there's also, you know, rising hospitalizations have said, we are better prepared than we were before. We have personal protective equipment. Whereas at the start of this pandemic, I mean, there were some really horrifying reports coming out about what, you know, frontline medical providers were wearing to go to work at this with this really highly infectious disease on the loose. But, you know, a, across the board, preparation is better. But I think what's important to note, and I spoke with a, a really wonderful doctor and professor in New York um, who said, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to prepare um, now that we have all this information about the virus. But until you're in it, it can be hard to know if you're really prepared. And I think we've heard that also from, you know, hospitals in Texas and Arizona saying, we think we're prepared, but reasonably, there's only so much staff we have, right? There's a limit to how many doctors we have. You can't stockpile respiratory therapists the way you can, you know, masks. So this is just something to keep in mind. You know, there we have a lot of medical infrastructure in this country, and we have the ability to to bring in volunteers or, or even travel providers from other parts of the country, but th- there are going to be some serious limits. And I, I think it's worth pointing out that in some of the parts of the country where we're seeing these cases take off, it's also extremely hot outside. Uh, I'm not a field hospital expert, but I think what we did in New York when putting a field hospital in Central Park kind of most iconically, I don't know how feasible that's going to be in other parts of the country where it's just so hot outside. What are either some lessons perhaps Texas can take from some of the former hotspots like New York and kind of charting a path forward? Or alternatively, what are some new factors that people are going to have to take into account, like the heat in Texas in the summer, that is going to necessarily mean a new roadmap, that people are going to have to start writing a new guidebook of how to deal with a COVID outbreak in a state like Texas? The heat has been a real challenge, and 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 there's there's no blueprint for for how to deal with it. I mean, it's 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 in the 90s Fahrenheit here every day now. It's ext- especially in South Texas, and it's extremely humid, and that drives everybody indoors. Everybody's got an air conditioning running, and the question, the unanswered question, is is that actually contributing to the to the sort of the bloom in cases we're seeing? Because indoors, it's transmitted more easily, and you just don't stay outside all afternoon, like like you might if you were, um, you know, in Chicago or Detroit or someplace. And it's sort of counterintuitive because when you think about a quarantine, you certainly don't think about you need to get outside in the sunshine. Um, it, it, you know, when they set up a field hospital here, they, they did set up one for Harris County. That's the third, large, third largest county in the, in the country. And it's where Houston is. It was at, a, uh, at the pro football stadium. Turned out not to need it because we just didn't have the caseload then. 
So we spoke with county officials yesterday, and they are getting ready to, to reestablish it within 48 hours. When they see sort of the overflow ICU beds that we talked about, if those start to fill up, then they're going to they're going to go open this field house. And, and it is it is air conditioned. You, you, you could not do it outside in, in this climate. Something we're also hearing out of Texas has been this tendency towards, you know, the cases that are new are a lot in younger age groups. Are young people inadvertently spreading the virus in the community, you know, thinking that they're young and healthy, not taking precautions because they don't think that they're at risk? Folks were starved of, uh, of, of, of a social life for more than a month. And so when, when clubs and, and taverns and restaurants started to reopen, uh, especially here in Houston, in places like Austin, uh, Dallas, uh, young people predictably flocked to them. The medical authorities do think that that played a big role in, in our surge here. As much as the younger folks aren't t- tend not to be fragile, they're also really hard to scare. And so you could talk about this virus being out there. And there, there is a certain segment of the community that thinks, well, that's, you know, I get the flu every year and I'm not, I'm not 80 years old. I don't need to worry about it. And so it, it seems that uh, the folks trying to, t- trying to uh, convince everybody to mask up have a challenge on their hands. I mean, what would you say is, is something that, that can be done or should be done on the ground in these states right now? I think going forward in the, in the next two weeks, maybe three weeks, uh, what we, that'll determine the path uh, states like Texas take. What they're going to watch, you know, we are seeing the sort of expected rise in, 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 case, in case loads, you know, due to so many weeks after, after the state reopened. Question is, is COVID-19 as lethal this time around as, as say, it was when it, when it ravaged New York? We don't know that. It's not yet. We're, we're not seeing those kind of, of fatality numbers. And I really think that will drive what uh, what the politicians do. If if we see that sort of uh, tragedy, I, I think that they will rethink how how hard they want to go on businesses and, and on on residents. Frankly, uh, with the next uh, when we have our next pandemic, if it is not as lethal, I I I don't think there'll be the political will to change things. That was Emma Court in New York and Joe Carroll in Texas. And that's our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Emma Court and Joe Carroll. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Shine and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.